This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. Now, spreading freedom across the nation, this is The Buck Sexton Show. Team Buck, welcome back to the Freedom Hut. We're joined by our friend Vince Colonese. He is the Daily Caller's editor-in-chief. Vince, what's up, buddy? Things are so great. Thank you for having me, Buck. Yeah, rock and roll, my friend. Uh, right now on the Daily Caller, on dailycaller.com, Facebook COO Sheryl Sandberg saying that fake news did not influence the outcome of the election. Uh, do you Good think this her. is because she wants to set the record straight, or is she receiving so many nasty emails from her liberal friends that Facebook should have done more to help Hillary win? Well, it's some combination of that. I mean, imagine if you're Mark Zuckerberg. Your wife is probably in your ear at night and like, hey, just so you know, Donald Trump's president because of you and all this fake news on your network. Do something about it, buddy. And if not her, somebody around uh, him, or in this case, Sheryl Sandberg, or anybody else who's an executive at Facebook, think about the tremendous pressure they're on among their liberal, friend, under, among their liberal friends to sort of rein in, which is right now a perception problem, not clearly an objective one, right? So, I mean, all these studies and surveys where people are going over the preponderance of fake news, it's not even abundantly clear the extent to which this is a real problem, one, and I think, Buck, that it is kind of curious that the only we're only talking about it now in the wake of an election where Donald Trump was elected president. I don't remember having a huge conversation about fake news in the lead up to President-elect Trump. Oh, look, I, I think it's a, a backhanded way of creating a very widespread narrative, and that's what the, and the media is really hammering this. And Hillary gave a speech we played in the first hour today where she talked about this. It's a backhanded way of saying that Trump supporters are stupid, that they're too stupid to know that a story about, you know, essentially the sort of National Enquirer, which has been fake news for a long time, by the way, it's been out there, uh, National Enquirer style stories that get shared on Facebook, they're too dumb to know the difference. So, you know, whatever it was, the 60 million people who voted for Trump, they can't tell the difference between the New York Times and, you know, Satan's baby had by actress who is still married to Elvis or something. I mean, they, they can't tell the difference. Totally. And when you spend so much time cultivating a responsibility-free society, the inevitable reaction to this is that nobody should be responsible for anything except for the elites. Because, you know, people don't, they don't need responsibilities. They just need to leave lives that are free, free of inconveniences. And, and it's such a patronizing, paternalistic way to view the American voter, which is to say they can't actually sort out what's true. They're incapable of knowing uh, uh, that you know, some people can create websites that look like news sites but aren't. They just can't figure it out. So therefore, we've got to uh, to govern this, and we have to actually control the way speech flows. I, I don't know if you go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, the only other point I'll make is that they're talking specifically about these major methods of communication, right? Facebook, Twitter. Google, all under immense pressure right now to change the types of information that can actually get to their users. 
And I don't remember some giant conversation about us stopping grandma from forwarding emails that contained inf- incorrect information. What's next? I mean, what other means of communication are going to be invaded here? <laughs> it's like I said earlier, we had Matt Welch on from Reason. I said getting those annoying chain emails from your second cousin or your or your irritating crazy uncle that say, if you don't forward these to 10 people, you're going to have bad luck right. forever. It's, it's the price we pay for living in a free society. I'll say it again. Yes, let's legislate those, especially the ones that like make you think that God is not going to like you anymore if you don't share it. I don't, I don't like those ones. The ones that are like they try to force you to like, hey, yeah, by I the agree. way, you'll, you'll get a blessing out of this. I don't want to be shamed. I, yeah, I don't want to be digitally blessed or digitally cursed based <laughs> on what what I do or don't. By the way, I'm very one of my favorite things to do is people who send me annoying emails. Uh, I put them in the block folder. It's great. The block function. You know what you They're, should do. This is I'm, this is totally off topic, but if you're on Facebook. Go and find your friends and go find a picture of one of your good friends with an ex, like boyfriend or girlfriend, and just click like on it and then see what happens. Oh, man. You're, you're, a, you're, a, devious, <laughs> you're a devious fellow, that's, Mr. That's, Vince. It's a great way to be a good friend. Oh, great way indeed. Um, let's, uh, let's switch to another, another piece right now up on DailyCaller.com where Vince is the editor-in-chief. OSU students complaining about the knife-wielding terrorist who was shot by a cop. So Ohio State University, we have this uh, Somali refugee, runs, uh, drives around, tries, and, tries to mow people down, and then tries to stab them to death. Cop shoots him. And I, I actually do almost find this hard to believe. Students are complaining that they, the cop shot the guy? Yes. The OSU Coalition for Black Liberation, which sounds like a pretty fair organization, is a campus protest group. And they've added the guy to a list of people who were wrongly killed at the hands of cops, which I don't know. I mean, the, the facts seem pretty clear on this. If there are people who, you know, who've been justifiably shot by cops, this guy sounds like he's up there among them. But uh, no, this guy, you know, this organization has decided that he's yet another yet another black victim of white policing uh, in an unjust way. And obviously you and I both know that that's a bizarre way to assess this uh, horrific situation in which clearly a cop saved the day. Yeah, if we can't all agree that somebody running around with a butcher knife trying to stab people to death in broad daylight for no reason uh, should get shot by a cop, we, we really can't agree on very much. No, not at all. So, I mean, this is, you want to talk about fake news, we can't even agree on the facts anymore when it comes to a guy who is, like, swinging a knife and trying to stab people. By the way, just a, a little side note here. Did you see this piece? It's, it's also in Daily Caller, but I saw the New York Post uh, having a similar uh, similar story up about how Morning Joe, which I don't really watch because I don't have cable, but occasionally I'll see clips of it, and if I'm staying over somewhere that's not my apartment, I'll wake up in the morning and watch it. And Morning Joe um, will, or, or rather Mika Brzezinski, who's the co-host on Morning Joe, was only, the, she says that the Hillary campaign tried to pull her off. This is, I think, kind of a funny thing. They tried to get her pulled off the air because she said the Hillary campaign was acting a bit arrogant. <laughs> that seems just that seems about right to me. I guess so. And you know, they've kind of had a weird relationship with um, everyone in power. That that show, uh, they're. I don't know. I kind of find them a mixture of, of amusing and, and frustrating occasionally. Um, you know, on their show, you'll remember, I think Mika at one point was actually reading emails directly from the White House in the middle of the show because the White House didn't like something she they said on the air, and she was, like, reading their statement. No, I didn't know that. She did that? That's pretty bold. This is, yeah, this was I, a I like her ago. more and, now. Yeah, it was kind of amusing. And, um, and then, you know, and now it seems like... Uh, uh, Mr. Scarborough is back in the good graces or something of Donald Trump. I'm always, I, I have no evidence whatsoever to support this, but every time he says his sources suggest that something's happening inside of Trump world, 
I'm often left with only that the impression that Donald Trump himself is constantly telling Joe Scarborough what he's thinking. Um, but, you know, who knows? It's, it's, it's uh, pretty entertaining to watch. It's a hop, skip, and a jump from 30 Rock to Trump Tower, so there's, so there's that. And by the way, I have to say, on, on my list of life goals, getting paid uh, somewhere in the 5 to $7 million a year range to show up in the morning – have my coffee, wear like a sort of a schlumpy sweatshirt and just be like, let me yeah. tell you guys about what's really happening in the world today. Yeah, just show High up on the Patagonia list. and you'll be fun. Yeah, I was going to say, I just, I just want to show up in like the old ratty fleece that I wore for four years of college and just sort of wax philosophical about everything. The economy, <laughs> politics, culture. Limp- and also, I think that one of the most amusing parts of that show is that they actually have a guy who kind of like hangs onto the show whose name is Barnacle. Oh, that's His right. Mike Mike Barnacle. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, you know, sometimes <laughs> the name says a lot. You know, there's Anthony Weiner. There's Mike Barnacle. I mean, sometimes people are are are, appropri- are appropriately in the nom- or appropriately named in the nomenclature. Uh, let's go to uh, oh wait, action movies. By the way, um, action movies for a second. What is your favorite action movie? If I may ask, Vince. This is a total. We do on Friday action movie quotes, and people try to stump me with action movie quotes on air. But do you have? Are, are you an action movie guy? And do you have a couple favorites? Okay, so just with the the ten seconds that you provided prep for me on this to think about, it, I would say the one that I probably have cited the most in my life was The Matrix. I think the first Matrix was like I totally respect that. Perfect. That's in my top ten for sure. Maybe even top five. At the time that I saw it, yeah, what? I loved it. It's great, and and it stands up to this day. In fact, I saw an article yesterday. It was like it had less to do with special effects than it did with the reality. The reality that so many of the stunts were performed live, like so. That didn't really. I mean, yes, there are a lot of special effects in the film, but everything from the way they shot it to the way that it was actually performed, so much of it was genuine. Yeah, and it, and it actually was a cool storyline, and it was creative and interesting. Unfortunately, the second and third movies were the second movie was like watchable, but sort of went off the rails. The third movie was an atrocity. I mean, the, the third movie yeah, should be banned it, it, by it, the, the Geneva the, Convention. The, the, the classic problem that all science fiction films inevitably do, or series, is that they they indulge too much in the science fiction side and not enough in the in the in the shoot 'em up action side, which is really what I think made the movie great. The other thing, as you just alluded to, that made it great was the fact that it was enterprising, it was new and different. It was actually a, a standalone movie that wasn't, as far as I know, predicated by a book. So nowadays, it's just like famous, like best-selling book will become movie, or famous movie will get remake. I mean, beyond that, though, adventurism that leads to a great film doesn't happen that often. I yeah, new, a, a truly new screenplay or a truly, true, a truly new concept for a screenplay that works and that you know creates its own franchise feels like a very rare thing these days uh, indeed. So uh, I'm with you. By the way, I'm, I'm going to make a confession right now on air. I was just desperate to watch some mindless TV for a little while last night to get my mind off some other things, and... I can't even remember which one, but one of the Resident Evil movies was on, you know, from that whole franchise with Mila yes. J- J- Jovovich, I think is her name. Um, I mean, I know her name. I just don't know how to pronounce it. Uh, she's she's lovely. Those movies are terrible. And yet, if you're not careful, you could find yourself like wasting 30 or 40 minutes of your life watching it before you become too embarrassed and have to change the channel. Right. And that's the best type of movie. One that's actually not predicated on a book or a prior film, but on a video game. Yeah, that's right. The video game is actually, I used to play a lot of video games. The video game was pretty good. That's great. Oh, I'd never played Resident Evil, but I'll take your word for it. Did you, Vince? You play video games, though. Let's not. Come on, dude. You're in the trust oh, tree. You're in the sure. nest. It's me, you, and many thousands and thousands of Team Buck people. But like, you can tell us. Yeah, don't tell them. I definitely did. I, and to this day, I I think to myself, all of those those fake sort of goals that you achieve in the process of playing video games. You know, if you'd spent like just say half that time working on real life, you could achieve some real life goals. 
Best video game of all time for you was what? Oh, God. I know, man. You're on the spot, but this is the hot seat. You're in the Freedom Hut. you got to be ready to rock here. I, I want to be really clear to the audience. This is not anywhere near what I thought I was going to come on and talk about. What, this, let me is, think. this is accurate. Vince is actually a serious political editor for the DailyCaller.com, or he's editor-in-chief. <laughs> but I'm just, it's Friday, Vince. Um, let me think. I mean, there's so many. I'd say uh, one of the Super Nintendo Mortal Kombat was pretty okay. awesome. Fair, fair, fair um, call. I'll take that. Mortal Kombat Ultimate. Mortal Kombat Three Ultimate. I think is what it was called. Wow. And uh, then GoldenEye, of course, on the N sixty four. I was going to bring up GoldenEye. I, that for me, that was like a, almost a life changing experience. I played so much of that on the multiplayer with my brothers that I actually thought I was James Bond after a while. So, in, yes. in, in, yeah, it, it got to that it, point. I was like, yeah, and, you know, and I, I would, all of the various Mario Karts that that existed, let's say N sixty four and prior. Um, were awesome. I can tell you that I, that I have heard I've, stories I've, from friends that Mario Kart was even more fun to play inebriated. I've I've heard that from friends too. I've, I've heard that from friends. Only I have I have a couple drunk friends. I'll admit that. Can I ask you a, a hard turn question? You're back into politics, so we get you back yeah. in what we brought you on the show initially for. Though I'm having fun talking about other random things. Uh, <laughs> Trump Trump transition Trump transition team. A bunch of new things this week. So far, looking pretty good, I think, to a lot of people. What can we expect next week? Well, we're still waiting for that Secretary of State pick. And, you know, I will say that, you know, I found out, let's say, you know, three weekends ago that when I wrote the piece um, that Trump was intending to pick the following people. General Mattis to be Secretary of Defense, Steve Mnuchin to be the Secretary of the Treasury, and Mitt Romney to be Secretary of State. That was three weeks ago. Now, since then... Two out of three have come true. Mnuchin and Mattis have been picked for those roles. Mitt Romney hasn't yet. Um, but every time, if you think back to all of the early reporting, where we got early indicators on various people who'd be picked for various positions, up to including, say, Ben Carson, ultimately they did get picked for those roles. My question now is, does Mitt Romney make it through all of the nonsense we've seen with the Secretary of State fight? Will he finally actually be the guy? Donald Trump wanted to pick him three weekends ago. Let's see if that's still the case. Vince Colonese is the Daily Caller's editor-in-chief. Read more at dailycaller.com. Vince, you're a sport. You're a great dude. Thanks for calling in. We'll have you back soon. My pleasure. I'll have to play some GoldenEye. Absolutely. Odd job was always fun to be, by the way, in that. I like playing as odd job. All right, team, 888-900-3393 on the phone line. Sponsor this half hour, Yankee Hill Machine. YHM.net, my friends. That's where you have to go to check out all the latest wares, the offerings uh, from Yankee Hill Machine. They uh, design, develop, and manufacture some of the best firearms, accessories, and suppressors in the entire firearms industry. I mean, this is custom-made stuff up by Yankee Hill Machine. It is fantastic. They do a great job. They're big supporters of the Second Amendment. And Chris and Kevin Graham, who are the owners, love what they do. It's a family business, all done here in the U.S. of A. You can see pictures of the guns you can see the different accessories all of it yhm.net yankee hill machine yhm.net check it out we'll be right back buck sexton the blaze radio network
individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. The Buck Sexton Show. Team, we've got Joe in Florida on the line. Joe, you're on the Buck Sexton Show. Welcome. And Shields High. Hey, Buck. Same to you. I wanted to try to combine the fake news story story with the action movie quote story, although the movie is really more famous for being a book, and it's not so much action as as there is war involved in it. And here's the quote. Chocolate rations have been increased to 20 grams. Hmm. I mean... Uh, wait, John, come on air, John. You think you know what is it? Is that Dr. Strangelove? No. Oh, because I know they had chocolate. I'm stumped, man. I don't have it. What is it? It's 1984. I've actually never we seen are, the movie. I've only read the book. We, we are right I don't know if that's an, I, I, I got to throw a flag, Joe, you know, you're, you're part your family, my friend, but I got to throw a flag on this one. I don't think that's an action movie. Well, there's war in it. (laughs) It's a a stretch, buddy. It's a stretch. I did say that. It was really not an action movie, but but there was war in it. We are right up against the Ministry of Truth right now. Yeah, we are up against the Ministry of Truth for sure. I mean, the the, the Democrats, they they just have no shame. I mean, is is there really no shame? The answer is yes. They have no shame. Right. And this is also sort of another end run, I think, Towards um, what was it called there? The the equal time, the equal time thing. Oh that, yeah, that the fairness said. doctrine, equal time, the all that stuff. Doctrine, they right, always right. The, the desire to control speech, as I was saying yesterday, the day before. It always comes from the left. There's no corollary on the right. It doesn't happen. Percent. Yeah. One hundred percent. I think it's because we're. I'm. I'm used to people saying that you know my beliefs are terrible and that I'm a jerk or an idiot or whatever and and I just I I've become immune to it since I've thought the way that I think now since I was like 15 or so. Uh so yeah, um I, I think we're yeah. used to hearing speech we don't like and I think a lot of people get to live in enclaves where that's cuz even if you live in like let's say you live in the reddest red you know uh, town in America, right? Let's say you live in some town in Wyoming that's 100% Republican and and anybody who doesn't have uh, a framed portrait of Reagan on their wall is is banished forthwith, right? Even and if you live there, in the back of their pickup. You, I, I'm sorry, and a gun rack in the back of their pickup. Yeah, of course, gun rack, all kind, you know, all kinds of stuff. Got some ARs there, nice rail system set up. We got the EOTech, everything. Okay, so all that said, you will turn on the TV and you will see on a, in, a, in a majority of news programs views that conflict with yours. You will look for entertainment programming. You look for movies. And you'll see things that obviously are a slap in the face to your beliefs all the time. Yep. It's inescapable. Whereas if you're actually from the blue side of things, if you're a Democrat, if you're a leftist, you can create a complete and total bubble. Absolutely. You, and, well, I just wanted to – I know you're going to get close here. The, if 
anybody, I want to plead to anybody who hasn't read 1984 in the last 10 years, please do it. Please I do think it. it's one of, the, one of the 10 most important books of, you know, of all time, quite honestly. It, so, it'll make your eyes bleed. Yeah. Uh, I mean, especially given the world we're living in now. I mean, it's, it's one of the 10 most important works, certainly in the English language, ever written. Absolutely. Yeah. Joe in Florida, Shield Time, man. Thanks for calling in. Great call from Joe, although I'm not sure that was an action movie quote. Guys, it's got to be an action movie. I'm talking guns. I'm talking excess explosions where they use lots of gasoline because those of you who actually know what explosions look like, they don't look like what they are in movies with all the black smoke and the fire usually. It's sort of – anyway, they add a lot of gasoline to them to make them do that. Uh, But, uh, you know, I need need guys who have – Probably some kind of a foreign accent, or you know, or just sound kind of weird. So we're talking like Dolph Lundgren, Schwarzenegger, or or you know, Stallone doesn't have a foreign accent, but he has a you know, Stallone has a very Stallone way of speaking. Uh, I'm saying it's got to be action, right? I mean, there's got to be dudes running around shirtless with M60s, and that's like we accept that that's actually the way you fire an M60 one-handed shirtless because, right? That's an action movie. Uh, we're going to talk about some other news stories and things. I don't even know what. It's going to be fun, though. Back in a few minutes. The Buck Sexton Show on the Blaze Radio Network. The Buck Sexton Show. All right, team, we're joined now by... Uh, by <laughs> whoa, sorry. We are joined now by Emily Zanotti. She is the political editor at Heat Street. She is E.M. Zanotti on Twitter. Emily, great to have you back. Great to be here. Um, tell me about the Marxist vegan restaurant that has had to close. Makes me so sad. Yeah, it's so sad. Um, turns out communism doesn't work, no matter how many times you try it. Uh, there was a vegan Marxist worker-run, equal pay, there's a couple other adjectives, but I can't remember them now, restaurant in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and it discovered that when you try to run a restaurant with just your workers, they set bizarre hours, they take 40 minutes to make a sandwich, and they cause bread lines and disaster, and it will run your business out of out of uh, profit. So they were forced to close this week in what might be the saddest development in communism in maybe 20 years. I was going to say, this is a, this is a fantastic microcosm of communism in action, though. I, I feel like this, this would be the kind of thing that if a bunch of conservative activists came together and a sort of a spoof did it, it would be brilliant to show that, yeah, when, when you have Marxist principles at work, People don't work. People don't care. The product sucks. It takes forever. The customers are unhappy. They don't get what they... I feel like this, this is a learning experience. Yeah, I mean, it feels like it should be just an SNL skit about what com- what happens when you have a communist business platform, but it was real, and people, <laughs> people were complaining. It took them 40 minutes to get a sandwich some days. The workers actually collectively decided on the schedule that the restaurant was open. And so the restaurant was open at only bizarre hours that were convenient for the workers. There were no managers, no bosses. It was it was just a disaster. It was the public bathroom of restaurants. Wow. That does not that that sounds really I'm, I'm not eating there anymore. So well, I guess it's closed. So that would be hard anyway. Uh, next one on the Heat Street uh, Heat Street hits list. 
you've got Miami University students going into a healing garden because Milo Yiannopoulos was paying them a visit. What happened here? Yeah, so Milo's been on his tour of Midwestern universities this week, and he made a stop at Miami University of Ohio. And the students were very, very fearful that they might be exposed to an alternative opinion. And so they spent the whole week ahead of his visit making giant tissue paper flowers so that the night of his visit they could spend time in a garden of love. And so they, they had crafts and snacks and poetry and spoken word and a speaker who uh, spoke out against the white supremacists who elected Donald Trump. And uh, it was it was just a very serene and comforting experience for these students who couldn't handle an opposing viewpoint. Why not have a healing garden year round, by the way? I mean, if we're really going to take, you know, why is it only that the trauma of a Milo visit would would make them come together to create this healing garden. I feel like a healing garden sound, you know, they, I would have loved it Amherst like a tranquil zen garden. I mean the you know the the idiot football frat boys would have destroyed it within about 12 hours, but it would have well, been yeah. cool to set up. I think you know I I would love to have a a garden with like goldfish and like snacks and things that I could go into when I'm stressed out and just zone away the world. I think it sounds amazing. <laughs> Yeah, you know, they, they set up these safe spaces, and sometimes they have puppy, and I'm all for puppies, you know? If the safe space puppies. was a year-round thing where you could just, like, de-stress and chill, it wouldn't bother. It, it's that it's always in response to somebody who wants to come in and, and give a, a, a lecture on, like, the the uh, pitfalls of Keynesian economic theory or something. And then it was like, oh, right. we need a safe space. Or, like, how feminism has failed women, or... What happens when you have a communist restaurant? And, and, and that's when they have to retreat into these safe spaces with coloring books and crayons and pencils and therapy dogs and the like. By the way, do you see this thing about there's some kind of a, a, a protest? of This is not a heat street thing, but I want to ask you about it. There's like a, a woman's protest against Trump that's coming together. Do you know about this? There is, yeah. It's coming together for the inauguration in, uh, in D.C. Here we go, yeah. U.S. women, I just want to read the headline. Smart. U.S. women plan nationwide strike against Donald Trump. Whoa, what's going on? Apparently, we are not supposed to do any cleaning, any working, any um, romantic things during Donald Trump's uh, inauguration weekend because we are protesting as a gender against the election of Donald Trump, which who was actually elected by white women. I mean, we made the difference in the election. Um, but yes, we are supposed to be on strike from everything that weekend in order to punish men for electing Donald Trump. So that weekend, no chores and no fun, no fun stuff? No that's... chores, no fun stuff. No making wow. out, no nothing. That's, that's like the saddest thing ever. Why are Democrats it's... ruining everything? <laughs> Democrats want to make everything less fun. Even, even marriage is less fun. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I didn't even I just saw this now. I didn't even know they were planning this. All right, that that bums me out. Let's get me on to a well. We'll just get into some other story here for a second. We've got uh, what's this about? Ivan- this is a piece on Heat Street. Ivanka Trump appears set to become Donald Trump's first lady. I will have you know, Emily, that Ivanka was my junior prom date. True story. Side note. But go no ahead. No way. That's so I know. cool. I know. I generally don't tell people because they're always like, "What happened?" I'm like, you know, I was really cool at 17. What can I tell you? But go ahead. You're like, that, that's awesome. Um, yeah, so Ivanka, uh, who manages a, you know, a, a accessories and a fashion empire of her own, Melania Trump will be staying in New York for at least the rest of 
this school year so that Barron can finish out his fifth grade year at his Upper West Side um, Elementary School. And in the meantime, it looks like Ivanka is planning on moving into the White House. She's now divesting herself of interest in her fashion empire. She's going to hire a new CEO. So it looks like she's going to be part of the administration. But she says she doesn't want to actually be have a real job. She doesn't want to be director of anything or a cabinet secretary or any of those things. So it sounds like she's going to be pursuing um, her crusade for working mothers and women in the workforce from the first lady's position and uh, she'll be moving to DC and and it's going to be an interesting interesting transition it's kind of a first lady light position it's not really official first lady but she's going to be kind of taking on those responsibilities yeah I should probably send her an email and be like hey since you're one of the most powerful people in the country now um, let's grab let's grab coffee and talk about old times <laughs> I mean, right yeah. like remember that junior prom it was amazing yeah <laughs> Severus, I, I barely remember that's how old I am now but it, it, it was a thing that happened I do remember that uh, so tell me a bit about how Kellyanne Conway might may not end up in the White House. This is a surprise to people. Yeah, so Kellyanne Conway is actually going to be, it looks like, taking the helm of Donald Trump's version of organizing for America. So when uh, Obama made the transition into the White House, his campaign infrastructure became a nonprofit entity that supported his policies, and it worked with grassroots organizing. It sent out lots of emails. It, um, it offered swag to people who had elected him to the White House. It sent Christmas cards, all that good stuff. She looks to be taking over that position for Donald Trump. So she's going to be the one who's in charge of sending you emails about your sale on Camo USA hats and things like that, but she'll also be the person who'll be pushing the grassroots effort to help Donald Trump's policies become more popular among Americans. So it's actually a really important position, um, but it isn't in the White House. So she won't be part of his inner circle in the Oval Office. She'll be operating probably from New York and at the helm of this much larger organization. And finally here we have that Trump Tower is advertising secret service. This is all, by the way, on HeatStreet.com. Trump Tower advertising secret service protection as an amenity for tenants? Really? Yeah. Yeah. So if you uh, if you want to rent in or buy in Trump Tower, the actual apartments are going at a really great rate, apparently, according to some New York real estate brokers that we talked to. And you get Secret Service protection. And so they're saying you basically will start to live in the most protected building in New York. You might have to have an interview or interrogation every time you go past uh, your doorman, but you will live in the safest building in New York. Emily Zanotti is the political editor at Heat Street. Check out her latest at heatstreet.com and give her a follow at E.M. Zanotti. Your last name is fun to say, by the way. E.M. Zanotti on Twitter. Emily, really appreciate you joining us. Uh, come back soon. Sounds good. Uh, by the way, about the security thing, Trump Tower, it reminds me, Andrew Giuliani, who is the mayor of New York City, Rudy Giuliani, who you're all familiar with who that is, uh, his son was in my little brother's class in school, and I always remember – I remember a couple of things. First of all, when Giuliani won the uh, – is it the mayorship or the mayoralty? <laughs> mayoralty sounds like, you know, his eminence, the mayoralty, the mayorship or whatever, whatever. He won the mayor's office uh, in New York, and, and then there was the inauguration, and he kind of – Andrew, the son, sort of, you know, he didn't do anything really. He was just kind of hanging out in the background, but then Chris Farley – played uh did a sketch where he pretended to be and if you haven't seen it go back to youtube it, it is it is pretty amusing um and he sort of like jumped in this was the opener for snl and i remember it, it was i think 
if it wasn't the dean, it was like the assistant principal or something in my in my grammar school went around that Monday after the SNL aired to every classroom in the school and was like, if any of you make fun of Andrew Giuliani, you will be suspended. Like just flat. Like if any of you mock him for the SNL, like it was we were all put on notice right away. Like, do not even think about it. Um, but also because, you know, it's the mayor's son. He had a protective detail. And uh, this was you know back in the 90s when actually the city was pretty dangerous. It's gotten so much. And I always say it, and I can't, I can't impress upon you enough how different the city is. It was dangerous in the 90s. It was a scary place to go out at night. Um, but they had a, like a, a car outside with a detective or two, a detective at the door, and a detective in the classroom. And I remember the school was really happy because they all of a sudden they had straight-up armed protection and a really serious NYPD presence. 24, I mean, not 24-7, but all school hours right there. So we were, we were like the safest school in the city because the mayor's son was in my little brother's class. Uh, I remember he was a nice kid. I, I didn't know him well, but he seemed like a nice guy. Uh, so that's what I had on that. Also, my older brother's school, there was a uh, there was a student who was the son of a federal judge and an open court. I think of the I think the gang was called the wild cowboys and the or some, something like that like i think they were called the wild cowboys or something along those lines i th- believe it was a mostly latino gang although now, this is a long time ago this is back when i was in high school so i could be getting this wrong and the leader of the gang and they were responsible for many many murders uh said in open court that he was going to go after the family of the judge and so they had to assign a, a, a 24 7 uh, protective detail to her son in my brother's uh, school, which is a different school. And so, yet again, they had the same thing, and the school had like security on the block all the time. So these things happen. 888 900 3393, team. We will be right back. This is the Buck Sexton Show, the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show. All right, team. John in Florida's in line. What's up, John? Uh, happy Friday, Buck. Thanks for taking my call. Same I to you, sir. I have a uh, action movie quote and then a question for you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, okay. Here's the quote: Who has a safety deposit box full of money and six passports and a gun? The born Who has identity a bank account number. Oh, that was good. That was, you know, Thank the you, problem, sir. of course, is uh, Matt. I mean, I, I think you guys, you guys understand. You're up, you're up against like a ninth degree action quote black belt here. I just want to be clear on that. But go ahead. I know, but I know, but it, that's such a good movie. It's a shame that Matt Damon is the guy who doesn't know. That's that's the big problem with the Bourne movies. But anyway, uh, my, my question. Good Chris quote, though. Good quote, John. Definitely falls in the, within the boundaries of the game. So thank you. Go ahead. You were saying question. Oh, my pleasure. Okay. President-elect Trump has nominated generals and real-world non-academic people to his cabinet. What do you think this means for his approach to the war on terror? It's an excellent question. And a lot of people are, are, are at present trying to analyze and come up with answers to it. Um, I, look, I, I think that he... I think that there's an understanding that is is really a generally a bipartisan one now that we don't want to be in the position of trying to build build a rebuild a Muslim society from the ground up, right? We don't want to do that. 
we don't want to do it in Afghanistan. We don't want to do it in Iraq. In Afghanistan, we're still sort of doing it, even though because we just don't know what else to you know what the exit is or what else to do. And in Iraq, we left, and now we've got you know what's going on there with Mosul and, and ISIS and all the rest of it. Uh, and there's always the possibility, by the way, of Iraq devolving into a sectarian civil war. So that's keep that in mind. Um, I, I think that Trump is going to take a very aggressive posture against uh, against terrorists. I think that he's also going to push, and his you know top officials will push allies to be very aggressive. Um, what that means that, that's more of a you know that's more of a sort of uh, a general approach than it is specifics on this. Um, I will have to see. You know, it, he's going to view immigration, I believe, as part as an issue in the war on terror in a way that uh, Obama certainly did not, and the Obama administration did not. Uh, he's going to take a look at. I, I do think he's going to take a look at you know refugees, even though they're we don't take in huge numbers of refugees. So that will be a part of it. Um, I also think that. He may be more willing to, you know, for example, here, here's a, a a better example, even what I've said. The airstrike campaign against Syria has been very limited because Obama was very, you know, very reluctant to have there be any civilian casualties or you know, any collateral damage. I think President Trump may say, look, if these guys are trying to kill our people, if we've got information on it, you know, we're going to blow up the building and we don't want to hurt anybody that's not a bad guy. But sometimes that's going to happen. I, I think he may have a mentality that's more like that um with all that that comes with so uh, that's the best answer i can give you with uh, about 10 seconds left here john before we go into the next hour but it's an excellent question i promise i'll continue to think about it and address it here on the show so uh, shield time my man down in florida good to talk to you uh yeah that's an excellent question how will how will the war on terror be different with trump i mean he'll speak about it differently and that will have an effect he'll approach it as commander-in-chief uh with more clarity But what does that mean on the ground uh, in different places or from the sky in different places? i got to think about it. I've got to think about it. Plus, I think Trump has to think about it, too. The Buck Sexton Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network.